And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, PR with this old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 234 of PNR's This Old Marketing, recorded Thursday, April 16th, 2020. And with me, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who could single-handedly reopen the economy, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? I would, How are you doing? I'm, I'm, <laughs> see, we talked about this beforehand. I'm going to be happy, Joe. Okay. In, in this, All right. Well, that's good. Because I did. I mean, I did everybody, see, everybody just breathed a sigh of relief, I have to I, say. I did. You know, the last couple episodes, I have to tell you, I was a little bit, little bit down, a little bit, yeah. you know, yeah. a little bit on the it's negative side. I can't promise you I won't be. I, we, I think I'm going to be real. I'm not, I'm not going to get down about things. But I want to look at what's going on like the glass is half full, like without... Whatever you you had that whole analogy about glass of water and all kinds of stuff you were talking about last episode, which I w- wasn't listening to. But <laughs> right, <laughs> I. But to answer your question, I wish I could open the economy. There's a lot of our friends out there that are having a real tough time. That's right, and uh, we want to see that go away as quickly as possible, and uh, and hopefully shed shed some positive marketing thinking on the world in this episode. So I'm going to stay positive. I don't care well, what happens. I don't care what gets in my way. Even if that's you good. say something that's that's not right, I'm still going to be nice You're about just going to agree with it. You should just agree with it on principle <laughs> I, just to I, stay positive. I did give you a lot of com- It was even on Twitter a couple of people said that I was very nice to you last episode. That's right. That's right. Because I was mean to start. I was really mean to start with, and then I got. I felt bad about it, and I got progressively nicer throughout. Yes, yeah. Which, which is pretty much the way you operate, right? You you open up the morning by being mean, and then you get progressively nicer throughout the day. Now, many people don't know that about you. Well, if I'm drinking, (laughs) yes, that's absolutely true. I would, I would agree with that. And who I should have it. I'm I'm not drinking right now. We should we should be drinking, even though it's. Noon thirty, Eastern yeah. time, as we record, and it's nine thirty here. Yeah. I mean, not that that's stopped me before. You should I be mean, drinking good, mimosas. Uh, well, or Bloody Marys, one of the two. Yes, well, I mean, yeah. yeah, either one. It's all good. So, how have you been? Have you been, been holding in there? I'm. You know, I'm doing as. Here's what I have decided. I have decided that uh, two things. One is I have decided to adopt the old screenwriter William Goldman who's sadly passed away a couple of years ago, but an amazing screenwriter. He wrote um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and, and um, uh, a number of other great, great screenplays of the 70s. Um, and I have adopted his mentality, which is nobody knows anything. Um, and so I've just stopped listening, quite frankly, to those on the news who are purporting themselves to be experts, et cetera, because every two weeks it changes. Um, and so... With that, I have also adopted a policy of saying, you know what, uh, you know, the, the game changes and the players stay the same. And so I'm, you know, I'm, as I've been telling people, I'm as good as can possibly be because I'm just, I'm, I'm ready to play the game and I'm ready to take on what needs to be taken on. And I'm dealing with all the things that everybody else is dealing with. You know, I've got friends and family who've been furloughed. I've got business I'm trying to reconstruct and reconfigure. And I've got family I'm trying to keep safe and all of that. And it, you know, I have my down days and my up days, but the way I'm taking it day by day is saying, you know what, bring it on. Let's, let's go. I'm, you know, if if this is it, giddy up, let's, let's let's move this. this. You know what I mean? And I think, uh, and, and, and it's helping. I have to say it's really helping. It's helping me sort of, you know, and making sure that I take time. I mean, I wrote this in my my um, my weekly letter um, this week. Um, the thing I'm making sure that I make time for is play. You know, that I'm not trying to be productive of every minute of every day, every second. Um, I make time to get out and do nothing other than just roll around in the yard or take a walk around the neighborhood or meditate or do something that is not, you know, purposeful. You know what I mean? 
You go outside and roll around in the yard? I do, actually. You know, here's the thing. I, as a kid, when I was a kid, I, I used to play in my front yard. And I would set up army guys and, you know, and, and, you know, set up these mock battles and all this kind of stuff with, you know, out in my front yard and I would put them in, you know, and I would climb up in the trees and I would lay down and, you know, in the flower beds and sort of position the army guys just the right way. And that smell, the smell of lawn and dirt and, you know, that still to this day, I just love it. I, I love it. So I, 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 in all honesty, I actually do. I get out there and, and sort of just lay down in the backyard and look up at the sky and just smell the yard and all that. It's just, it's very therapeutic for me. I don't think I can ever get that vision out of my head now <laughs> about you just going outside and like just rolling around. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. You're on I, the, you know, that's. That's that's what I yeah, do. Exactly. That's what I do. Well, we've all become dogs, right? I mean, we've all become, you know, we're we're excited for afternoon walkies and we're <laughs> so excited if we actually get to go in the car and oh my god, it's food time again and you know, we've all become sort of, you know, locked up dogs in our house. But it, you know, it it's interesting you which by the way, you are you 100% correct when you say I you're not listening to the media or not watching whoever whatever that is. And staying away from from some of that news, and um, it makes me think of I've, I've been listening to. Well, I listen on occasion to Joe Rogan Experience, Joe Rogan's podcast, depending on yeah which guest it's a good podcast, yeah, which really guest good podcast. he has. But on the last couple, he's been really ranting about the media. He's like, the media is doing this and the media is doing that. And I want to yell, you know, of course can't hear me, but I want to say, Joe, you're the media. Everybody's right, the media. Exactly. Who when you say the media. Who are you talking about? Are you talking about the president's news conference on ABC News that less people watch and listen to than your podcast? So right, that's right. It's I, I think it's 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 like traffic. It's like when people complain and they they complain about traffic. No, you 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 you're not complaining about traffic. You are traffic. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it's it. We are all part of the the noise doing this. We're 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 we're. I I I fully cop to what we're doing now, and and that's why I you know I'm just uh, I'm just I I can't I can't you know the dude does not abide. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like I I can't look at the media. I, I watch just enough news in the morning to make sure that I'm updated. And then it goes off the rest of the day. I mean, I don't watch the evening news. If if the news is important enough, it finds me. You know, I'm subscribed to the New York Times and I'm subscribed to Wall Street Journal. So I certainly get the, you know, headlines. I certainly get the breaking news and all of that. But I just, you know, I've had enough of talking pundit TV. Well, I, I good for you. I mean, I, I can't I can't watch any of it right now. I really yeah. can't. I, but I want. Yeah, I definitely am keeping up on the news. I'm doing the same thing as you. I get a couple different perspectives. I get the New York Times uh, e newsletter every morning. Uh, yeah, same here. I, I look at the journal. I want to get the more conservative angle of what's going on. I figure. Yep. I think that that's enough. That's about as conservative. I can't go any more conservative than <laughs> than the Wall Street <laughs> Journal, even though I grew up a conservative. Yeah. Um, and still lean conservative in a lot of in a lot of ways. I think those two are, are fair. And then, you know, wherever you get your news, you get your news. Probably, hopefully, from crazy PNRs, people like this us. Old marketing, yeah, market, a little a little marketing news. So let's yeah, let's move on with our marketing. Shall we move show. to the news? Yes. Let's, Speaking let's talk of about the that. news, what do you got? What do you got to lead us up? Uh, well, my friends, uh, and first of all, thank you. I hope you are all out there doing well and ready to giddy up, as it were. And let's talk to our top of the show segment where we introduce a story that has both Joe's and I attention and something we're thinking about. And this one, and we'll apologize in advance if you're not a subscriber because you're only going to get about half the article. Um, the that's uh, come from marketingweek.com um, and it's from Mark Ritson who is of course a fairly well-known marketing professor and author and all of that and the headline here which I think is a great headline and I think it's right on the money and I want to get your take on this Joe uh, which is the best marketers will be upping not cutting their budgets uh, and as he writes it may seem like a paradox but recessionary periods actually provide fertile ground for marketers to grow their brand's market share if they're prepared to think long term. 
Britson starts out by saying, Roland Vale completed his master's at Harvard in 1924, and it would be a quarter of a century before the young Californian, along with fellow marketing legend Revis Cox, I mean, <laughs> Roland Vale and Revis Cox are not who immediately come, anyway, going on, <laughs> would publish the masterwork Marketing in the American Economy. For now, the 25-year-old was building his reputation and headed west to become an associate professor at the University of Minnesota. Vale wasted no time taking his master's dissertation and publishing it in the Harvard Business Review. And he goes on to talk about, you know, sort of the history there of marketing during recessionary periods and how their theory and all of that really equals the idea of you have a unique opportunity here to capture market share, to do things that are, uh, you know, evolutionary, innovative, all of that in these kinds of periods, because a lot of people, a lot of your competition will be cutting back, will be fading into the woodwork. And now is the time when you can stand out. What did you think about this? Uh, I'm in 100% agreement which I think you and I talked before, I, I don't always agree with Mr. Ritson, but in this case, yeah. most definitely do. Don't think, by the way, that we mean advertising budgets. We're definitely talking about marketing investment, and it doesn't have necessarily today anything to do with paid media. There's a couple of things that I would request that the marketers listening to this broadcast do. One is to make sure you have some kind of internal marketing initiative going to make your case to those that hold the purse strings for budget. This is really, really important because as, I mean, I've been through this a number of times during financial crisis and right after 9-11 in the, the Great Recession, same thing. You, you, have, um, you have marketing executives, you have financial executives in your organization that are looking at line items and they're looking to cut whatever they can. And if they don't understand what you're doing and what you're investing in, they will easily cut what you're doing, even if it's successful. And I've seen this firsthand. I mean, when I was at a publishing company in 2002 and 2003 and they were making cuts, they were just cutting across the board, folks. There was no, there was no like, oh, this is working. I mean, this, you're, we're cutting anything that we can't. And if somebody doesn't scream after we cut it, we're going to keep it cut. Um, so that's the first thing that I would say. The second thing is I, I've, been, I've been working on this little mini book and I wrote this section that seems to make a lot of sense. Let me see if this makes sense to you. So I call it the three stages of content marketing. And the first stage is right after 9-11. And that was when content, when a lot of companies started to actually look at content marketing the first time. That's when you saw the onslaught of blogs and article marketing and Google took off and people looked at content marketing as something where you could be found and you could use in awareness and not just in loyalty retention. And then you had the great recession of 2008, 2009. And after that, that's when content marketing actually became a, a thing, a practice within marketing enterprises. And you started to see job titles form and you started to see video casts and podcasts and e-newsletters and all sorts of things come through still very small when it was, you know, looking at what advertising budgets are, but at least you have something. Now, this is what I'm calling the third stage of content marketing where we're in right now. And I've never seen a bigger opportunity to build audiences than right now. So from that standpoint, and I don't know, I know Ritson's not talking about content marketing necessarily, but if you look at what's the best way to invest in marketing, the best way to invest in marketing right now is to invest in your relationships with your customers. It's the absolute best way. How do you communicate better with your customers and figure out what their needs and wants are and deliver on those needs and wants through information, not just your product and service. It's the heart of content marketing. If you can do that right now, when we come out of this, whenever it is, you will have a huge advantage over anyone else. And I don't know how many people, Robert, are seeing this as a huge opportunity right now, but I, I it's, it's almost like I'm, this is a pound your fist against the desk, yelling at the world opportunity that we might never see in our lifetimes again to take, um, to build, to build audiences, to really build close, wonderful relationships in different multiple ways with different parts of your customer base. And I just hope marketers see that right now. I couldn't agree more. I mean, as you might expect, 
Um, you know, it's 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 one of those things. As I've been telling my friends, colleagues, clients, you know, this is the time. You know, for those who are frustrated with differentiation um, because of budgets, because of brand size, because of the market space that they're in is so noisy. This is this is your time, See? right? I mean, and as I told somebody the other day, right now, everybody's avatar is the same size. And so, you know, when you're out there creating your digital content, your digital experience, your content experience in a digital, remote, virtual way, you're just as clickable, you're just as readable, and you're just as valuable as IBM, as McDonald's, as Coca-Cola, as anybody out there. And that's the opportunity, is that for challenger brands right now, if you're a startup, if you're a well-worn brand, if you're a you know Fortune 100 versus a you know challenger Fortune 10,000, whatever your position in the market space is right now, this is an opportunity to build that tightly knit audience that values what you do so that you come out the other side of this and quite frankly have, you know, ha- have used this time to build a taller step stool or taller platform, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to whatever you want to look at it as. And it's really hard and it's really difficult and it is not to say that this is, you know, Gary V hustle culture sort of get on it, sort of work till your fingers are dry kind of thing. No. It's about working smarter. It's about not, like you just said, it's not necessarily about spending, uh, you know, ten thousand more dollars. You know, it's about working in a more creative and more, uh, you know, being willing to take some of those risks, vulnerability risks, authenticity risks, brand risks. You know, we one of the things that we, you and I, both got hit up with um, was. Um, David Brown's uh, note to the ANA, the Association of National Advertisers, he wrote um, for them, which was an audience that really needed to hear this, which was around the idea of content marketing and why content was such an important thing. And one of the things that he said that I just literally wanted to stand up and applaud was when he said, listen, the losers in this time are going to figure out a way to do cost cutting. They're going to figure out a way to launch new side brands. They're going to figure out a way to sort of, you know, hedge their bets and all those things. And the winners are going to be those that really look in tossing all those legacy things aside and look at leaning in to creating value for their customers and building audiences and coming out the other side of this is stronger as a result of it. And I just, I, I think that's exactly the opportunity that is here. Oh my gosh, it, it just reminds me, and you know this story, a lot of our listeners know this story, but in 2007, 2008, when I when I left uh, publishing to start what became Content Marketing Institute, I was pitching the story of content marketing to everyone, to all the leading publishers. And then in the 2008, they started battening down the hatches and they said, look, we're not covering content. We're going to cover our core stuff. We just had to let all these journalists, writers go, you know, Joe, we're, you know, we'll, we'll maybe we'll run an article for you. But other than that, we're not going to cover what's going on. We're not going to cover what companies are going to do. And I was totally frustrated until I said, well, we're going to have to do it ourselves. Nobody out there is going to do it. Nobody's out there is going to cover this. So, I mean, what, you know, started the blog and, and started to talk about content marketing and started to cover a lot of those case studies ourselves. And uh, those companies that we approached in 2007 and 2008, a lot of those companies aren't around anymore. They're right. gone because they were doing what you just said. Don't do. They were kind of like, okay, well, let's keep what we can keep. Uh, I mean, we're, it's so horrible. I'm seeing total destruction of our local newspaper here in Cleveland. They've, they've let go over fi- something like over 50 journalists in the last month. I, there's only a dozen or so journalists left on the entire staff now. I, yeah. they're, they're not going to make it. There's, I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't know how they're going to, to. They're not covering local. Most of what they're doing is they're using AP stories and LA Times stories and things like that. And it's just sad. So there's huge opportunity all across the board um, to do what you're saying to do. And, and hopefully people will listen to us and actually see. It's not easy, which is why I want you to go back to your internal 
content program and figure out who you need to talk to on a regular basis so that they know what your plan is. What is yeah. your plan? Do you have a That's plan right. to grow an audience? Who's the audience? What are you going to deliver them? Why are you even doing that? What's the payoff from a business standpoint? What if it works? What if it doesn't work? What's the risk if we do it or don't do it? I mean, you talk about these questions all the time in your workshop. This is yeah. when you have to get out that whole list of questions and go through them and say, look, we've, we've got to go back to our marketing strategy because what we planned on two or three months ago when we approved at the beginning of the year is no longer valid. That's right. So that's right. Wow. Yeah. We said we were going to be positive. That was uh, that was pretty good. Yeah, I think it's. I think we're being. <laughs> man, I just. You know what's going to happen in two. I felt like I like I, I feel like you know I feel like getting up and 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 you know t- singing a, a song we're or something. We're in a revival. Was, this is yeah. I mean, I literally it, it's so exciting. I mean, speaking so, of which, so, but it's so hor- horrible what's going on right now. But it's so exciting if you have this kind of a perspective to see if you can consistently deliver for the next 12, 15, 18 months, two years, you will come out of this in an amazing position for your business. Yeah, that's right. So that's exactly and right. that's how long this is going to take, folks. I mean, hopefully a lot of things will come back to normal. But the economic cycle of this is going to take a long time for us to come out of if you just look at history. So Yeah. yeah. Well, and it's funny. I, what I've been latched on to is um, something I stole from McKinsey, um, which they're calling it not the new normal. They're calling it the next normal, um, which to me is, is, is really um, – is really apropos because it's not it's it, it is you know it's the next thing right it's not some you know crazy transformation it's going to be you know it's the next chapter of our lives right i mean this is a this is a marker in our lives like 2008 2009 was like 2001 was like 1987 was and so on going back this is, you know, this is a marker in all of our lives, a shared experience where we will all know pre this and post this. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's an interesting time. It makes me think about. I mean, you, you and I both know Christopher Penn. He's spoken to content <laughs> marketing world. He's super, super intelligent. And I, I think yeah. on this, ep- I think last episode I talked about his lunchtime pandemic newsletter, where every, um, every noon, noon on on a weekday, he'll send out what's going on with the virus and all that kind of stuff. But somebody posted at Facebook and said, what's the first thing you're going to do in the next few months or whatever when we can go back to normal? So everybody's saying, I'm going to go out to the bar and hang with my friends. Either I'm gonna, I want to go to a theme park. I want to go see a movie. You know, all kinds of stuff that human beings used to do. And then he posts, you know, the realist that Christopher is, it says, this is the new normal. Get used to this. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> just, a, just matter of fact. Like not yeah. trying to be funny, not trying to co- you know bring people down. He's just saying, right. This is the way it's gonna be. I just when you said that, that's what I thought of. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Yes. Well, let's move on to our next story here, which actually gets us into our next segment, which of course is a little bit of news and or articles that Joe and I have each pulled from the week um, that has got our attention and we wanted to talk a little bit about. And this next one segues really nicely um, from, it's going to seem weird at first, but promise it does segue nicely um, from what we just talked about in terms of uh, lifting up content marketing. And here we go. Well, the news is out. Joe Biden is now the not presumptive. He is going to be the Democratic nominee for president of the United States. And he has been, uh, of course, um, uh, endorsed by the wonderful Bernie Sanders and, of course, all of the other candidates. And he Uh, According to Axios, uh, and this is where this news story comes from, the headline is Joe Biden launches a newsletter and podcast amid the coronavirus outbreak, which I mean, it's so great, right? It's the headline could have been Joe Biden launches content marketing effort amid coronavirus outbreak. Former Vice President Joe Biden, the article opens up by saying, launched a virtual newsletter and announced a new podcast on Wednesday to remain in touch with supporters amid the novel coronavirus pandemic. Why it matters, says Axios. Well, Biden's move illustrates that if you can't get the media to pay attention to you, instead, be the media. Gosh, I wonder where. I wonder where that idea. How did they get that? Where the? What the? <laughs> <laughs> what the? 
<laughs> anyway, per Axios' Sarah Fisher, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders has deployed a similar strategy with his own campaign video series. In the big picture, says Axios, Biden shifted to remote campaigning to cooperate with social distancing mandates, canceling rallies and allowing his staff to telework. He wrote in Wednesday's email newsletter that he hopes to send it out regularly and that it can help us stay connected. What is your take, Mr. Polizzi, on uh, Mr. Biden's approach here? You know, it reminds me of the event when you and I met in Chicago and we were both doing content marketing presentations and we both had a similar slide, something like, like it or not, you're the media now or you right. are the media. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody was talking yeah. about that 12 right. years ago, but that's how we got together and said, hey, you're speaking my language, dude. Let's get yeah. together and do something fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. I... Uh, I love, of course, I love this idea. I don't like the fact that he says he will try to keep it, try to send it out regularly. Come on, Joe, you and your team can send out a regular e-newsletter. Absolutely fill it with things that are valuable. Don't just fill it with things of where you're going to donate now, right? All that. Exactly. Let's make it really valuable, really become your parties more than your party but he's trying to become a unifier for the country so be that do that it's and the fireside chat remember the fireside chats exactly and this yeah. has got his own channel to do that yeah the one thing that it doesn't make me sad it almost is um, a, a missed opportunity i mean i'm glad he's doing it now but you know bernie sanders and a lot of other candidates have had their own e-newsletter for a long time and one of the reasons why bernie had so many awesome supporters and so much emotion and fire behind his message is because he did keep them updated with a regular newsletter he did do these types of things well joe's getting on the bandwagon now that's great um so better late you know better late than never but could you imagine what position that he would be in if he you know if he had a 10 to 20 to 30 million person database of supporters you know getting a an email newsletter you know every every week or whatever it is do it like your fireside chats so i love the idea the only i'm just i'm a little suspect about not really committing to it i want to see him really hit home with the strategy and be and say look we're going to do this consistently this is important we're going to fill it with this kind of information and um we'll see if he does it so yeah I think you're I think you're right. I mean, but this is, you know, this this in a small test tube is every single company we've ever talked to since we met in 2008. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we're going to launch a newsletter and a podcast. Well, all right. Now you're in for this for the long term. Right. I mean, we would you know, we're often cautioning our clients. This is not a campaign. This is not something you're going to stop, you know, six weeks from now. This is not something that you're going to stop three months from now. You're committing to this. You're committing to this for a long time. This is a marathon. This is a product that you're launching. And I, I think what you're feeling is something that, you know, we feel with every single company where we go in and talk to them about this, where they're like, yeah, I, I'm committed. Yeah, you know, <laughs> sort of. Uh, you know, as, maybe I'll try and send it out regularly. You know, and and, and it's like no, you know, we we need Yoda. You know, do or do not. Do not. There is, no, <laughs> there is right. no try. You know, and so that becomes our mantra, and we have to, and and hopefully it goes even beyond the campaign. Hopefully it goes into. Um, well, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Well, maybe just. Let's 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 hope it goes beyond November. How about that? Well, the one thing to <laughs> yes, exactly. The one thing to that I do like about the strategy is you have the uh, let's say if you call podcasts the more social media uh, type communication vehicle, and then you have the e newsletter where you have a little bit more control over subscribers. So if they do this right, he can grab subscribers on the platforms where people already are at with the podcast, and then promote to get more information on the email newsletter. So he actually gets the names for the database. Yeah. That's just really good. I mean, you could don't, don't have to be a podcast, could be YouTube series, could be Insta, could be TikTok, could be anything. Right. So it's just, I like that one-on-one formula. That's the right way to do it. So he's ever advising him. He's not saying, Oh, we're going to do the videos too. And the podcast, and I'm going to do with the little talk tick and the whole thing, you know, and then I, can, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can just see <laughs> 
<laughs> so anyways there you yeah. go. very very nice all right let's move on to our next story here which of course comes to us from uh of all places the which of course is a travel frequent flyer which was like hmm that's uh gonna be odd for a story but it isn't because it is content related and the headline here is airline in-flight magazines are being pulled. Well, duh, of course they are. The more interesting question the headline asks, will they return after the pandemic? The article opens up by saying, four of the top five U.S. airlines have removed their in-flight magazines. I wonder, do we know who the fifth is that didn't? I can't remember. Um, Anyway, we'll get to that. Four of the five top U.S. airlines have removed their in-flight magazines from seatback pockets in the wake of plummeting traffic caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Delta Airlines has removed its Sky magazine from its planes, citing a new aircraft cleaning process, which seems just like... (laughs) Did you need an excuse? Anyway, the magazine published by MSP Communications had a pre-coronavirus circulation of 5 million. The last printed issue was March 2020. The April 2020 issue is available online. Delta has not announced a decision about the return of the magazine, said spokeswoman Adrian Gee. Um, What do you think about this and and what what is your take? It's it's sad to me because when I got into this business in the late 90s, the in-flight magazines were the, the poster children, if there were one, for the industry. I mean, you could always you know, take, whether it was Southwest or Continental Airlines at the time, and take their magazine and hold it up and say, you know, this, this is what really This good, is great content this marketing. Is, this yeah. is great content marketing. And it's consistent. We deliver it every month. And, oh, by the way, we make money off it, which is probably, I'm under the assumption, the biggest reason why they're pulling back because they might be having some pain with selling advertisements into this right now. My concern, I don't want to see this happen. And the article talks about the fact that we, we you know, they should come back. Hopefully they'll come back, the ones that are leaving. But I think you 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 have good insight into this, Robert. I think you you made the uh, uh, the gesture that they probably were looking for an excuse to cut this anyways. And this you know this might be the time to do it. I don't know if you're thinking that, but that's a lot of what I read into this. It's like oh, they've been wanting to cut this thing for a long time. The thing is, is they're really well read. There's really good journalism going on in these programs, and for a long, long time. And I don't know how the financials are working out right now. They make a lot of money. Both the publisher and the airline makes a lot of money through all the advertising in this. And so I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, we've they've been talking about killing these things for years because oh, we've got the, you know, the private screening rooms, you can get them on your iPhone or your laptop or whatever and then or we have direct TV in the back seats. I don't know. I mean, what do you think is going to happen with this? Do you think that this is it? Do you think that you've got one or two that'll hold down? I wasn't actually thinking that when I was when I was sort of making the snarky comment about the the um, the excuse. My, my 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 snarky comment had more to do with: Did you really need to say that it's due to the cleaning process? Can you just say, "Well, duh"? There's nobody there to read them. Oh, so yeah. Why there, would there you go. why would we produce them if there's nobody there to actually read them? Um, I, I here's what I think. I think it's not binary or or as cut and dry as do it or don't. I, I think there is certainly a business case to be made to moving to a more digital and or multimedia experience. Um because of how much multimedia experiences are taking over the airline experience, right? In other words, when I get on now certain airlines, uh, by the way, it's American that's not cutting it. American, of all places, and that's my airline, um, is is uh, is keeping their publication going, three publications going, by the way. Um, and um, the the interesting thing to me is, you know, you get on now and, and, and it's, you know, you can download the app and it's got movies and television shows. And, and there is usually, and I have watched it just because I'm that guy, there is usually a airline channel, right, of, of some kind through the app where you can watch a documentary or a travel show or a how-to show or some TED Talks or whatever it happens to be their programming, which isn't terribly well organized for most of them right now. And I could very well see this being a pivot point for many of these airlines to start to 
pivot a little harder toward a digital or multimedia experience that we used to call airline magazines and now become airline channels, um, which I think would be probably just as good, if not better than from a revenue generating and a experiential standpoint. But at the same time, quite frankly, this is a rounding error for most of these airlines, right? In terms of their budget. This is this is so low ancillary the, revenue. Yes. Oh my Small god. It's revenue. you know, I mean it's such a I mean this is item number 785,000 on the CEO's desk right now. I mean this is just not that big a deal one way or the other, right? And so I can't imagine that this is you know occupying too many executives time in terms of their attention span to to whether or not they're going to actually continue a print magazine on domestic or international flights right now. This is this is definitely something that is, you know, when we start thinking about the long term, will we look back at the COVID pandemic as the turning point much as we do you know, look at the maybe 2007, 2008, 2009 timeframe for social media to have really pivoted into an exponential growth. And we look at 2001, 2002 as an exponential growth for a lot of software as a service companies, you know, all of those things, new models and delivery models sort of taking place during these kinds of markers in history. Will we look at this as one of those pivot points? Probably. I, I think so. But I think the the, the book, uh, forgive the pun, has yet to be written on this. Well, I agree with you that a magazine, by the way, doesn't have to be print. Right. right. You can have right. your show. You can do, you know, the Southwest magazine in a in a regular monthly show if you wanted to. That's right. And that would be that would be fine. I think the the focus should be on, and I believe this is true, if your focus is on the experience of the customer and they're seeing value in the magazine, which hopefully they are, if they're not, then kill it. But if they're seeing value in the magazine and it uh, it brings that customer closer to the brand in some way because of the way the brand's communicating to them, then I think you keep it. And you figure out right now, is it a, is it a time to double down? Yeah. I'm, I, yeah. I would I I would like uh, my concern though I think that these decisions are being made because of course to your point there are not many people riding on them but that will that will come back I don't want it to be just a financial temporary financial decision yeah, what you don't want it is to be just like you said at the top of the show, where it's like it's a decision made because it's an easy decision to make. You know what I mean? Yeah. In other words, it's like you know because it's item number seven hundred eighty five thousand. Some executive goes, ah, just kill it. You know, just uh, fine, kill it. You know what I mean? It's like no, somebody go fight for that. Right? That, that there's there's a reason to have that thing there, and it is more valuable than is. But but it becomes one of those easy th- easy targets in this kind of atmosphere. Yeah, but and and to your point as well, when you look at ancillary revenue like this, a dollar in one place is more valuable than a dollar in sure, another place of course, to almost absolutely. every company. I mean, I played that game for years where I mean, you had pe- publishers that I worked with would say that it's much more important for me to sell an ad page than sell a custom magazine to even a small at a smaller price an ad page than sell a large magazine or a large content marketing program to uh to because they were more they were they were compensated more on advertising than they were on other things or they saw oh, more yeah. value in it yeah and there's margin you know yeah. and there's there's All kinds know, of absolutely things. yeah absolutely absolutely right. All, right all right let's move on to our next story here which uh is a interesting one um and it's a launch that has gone sadly very much unnoticed by the world um i think for them um we can talk about the sanity of this um the launch of quibi yay have you been a quibi fan for for, for two weeks joe uh i all i remember of quibi is they had a super bowl commercial there you go but i do remember it meg whitman uh the ceo which no, I'm not going to be snarky there. Um, Meg Whitman says Quibi reached 1.7 million downloads in its first week. Uh, the article that we're push- publishing from is uh, CNBC.com. And it opens up by saying new mobile streaming service Quibi 
saw 1.7 million downloads in its first week, CEO Meg Whitman said on Monday's CNBC's Squawk on the Street. The service launched last Monday in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, calling into question whether consumers would adopt the mobile streaming platform while cooped up at home with a full screen of TVs. Quibi, which stands for Quick Bites, uh, was initially envisioned as an app users would pull up to watch something while out and about, like waiting in line for coffee or commuting experiences few consumers are having these days. As it turns out, people have in-between moments at home, says Whitman. We don't actually think it hurt us very much. And the article goes on to say uh, how the adoption compares to those like Disney streaming service um, and others, and also uh, details the outline of the current offer, which is a paid version um, or an ad-supported version uh, for either $4.99 per month or $7.99 per month. What is your take on Quibi? Mr. Polizzi. Uh, I want to hear your take, but the, I did do <laughs> I did do a double check because when I saw the one point, I don't want this to sound bad, but when I saw the 1.7 million downloads, it seemed low. <laughs> you, you think? And, and I, I was like, no, by the way, 1.7 million, that's a lot of downloads. Like, it is. If we if we had 1.7 million downloads of this episode, you and I would be having a party. It that would is be correct. Amazing. That but is 1. correct. 1.7 million downloads. We also uh, have not received a billion dollars in funding, but let's go keep keep yeah. going. So yeah, and 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 they they've sold out their advertising slate for the first year. That's what Meg Whitman has said. So good uh-huh. goody for them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and yeah. I would like to hear what you have to say, Mr. Rose. What do you think about Quibi? Do you think uh, it's well, going to make it? Uh, spoiler alert, I'm a bit bearish on the Quibi. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, look, here's the, here's, here's the real problem with Quibi. I mean, so, I mean, first of all, I'm, I just can't get over the name. I mean, it's just, I'm mean, sorry. The, the name is really just going to always bug me. Um, but let's get beyond that for a moment. Um, they have taken close to $2 billion in funding. And most of that has gone to the original content that they have produced. So first of all, hats off, they're spending the right kind of production dollars and artists and creators and writers and musicians are getting paid. So, you know, as a as an economy enabling for the content creators, I couldn't be a bigger fan. Yeah. So this is like a stimulus package for content creators. Let's put it that way. Um, ha- having said that, as a business, this is, uh, now you're getting my opinion, of course, but this is doomed to go down in a, uh, you know, a, a ball of flames. Um, and, and here's the reason why I believe so. It's not necessarily the business model, which I think is suspect, to be quite frank. Um, I just don't think kids and and or Gen Xers and or certainly baby boomers are going to pay eight bucks a month for, you know, five minute little bites of shows. They just the, nobody, well, nobody does that. Especially when, when, when you have things like YouTube and a thousand other right. places. Exactly. And yeah. you've got memes and you've got Instagram and you've got that's what you do when you're waiting in line for coffee. You don't want to watch a plot heavy, wonderfully nuanced story. No, you want to watch a cat jumping off a fence onto somebody's face. That's that's what you want to watch. And so from that perspective, I think the experience is wrong. The experience is, you know, the fact that you can't like, uh, you know, share this out to your big screen television. You can't really get it, you know, on a and that kind of experience, I think, is just a mistake. If this were a different kind of, and I think you may see them pivot here. I think you may I see think them you pivot. Definitely, will see them pivot you know, the, yes. to a more long form sort of more Netflix like, more Disney streaming like service. So I think that will be the play here, and that may save them. That may save them from a from you know from from doom if they can pivot to a high quality and find that House of Cards or find that Tiger King or find that show that really anchors their ability to drive subscriptions. Because 1.7 million subscribers, even if it's on 1.7 million paid subscribers, ain't gonna do it. Is not gonna do it. 
They, they've got a long, you know, I did some quick back of the envelope math. And if they're trying to make this thing work from a subscription standpoint, they need, you know, 30, 40, 50 million subscribers to make this work to get back even close to the amount of investment that they've raised. So, you know, that that's my take on Quibi. I, I think this is fixable, though. I really do. And I think she already hinted to it when she said that she's they're going to, you know, they hadn't thought about creating a version for the, the television experience and they're going to they're going to do that because of everybody's at home yeah, yeah. well by the way that's not true they they did actually because i've been following it from a couple of years ago when they first started raising money for it and they've always been saying sort of in you know the daily variety or hollywood reporter this would only be a mobile thing this would never be a television thing that they're focused on creating these bite-sized content blah 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 you know they've you know I, their pivot now is understandable but it's you know it's a little it's a you know it's a little uh, out of the other side of their mouth well when you see 1.7 when yeah. you see 1.7 million downloads and you probably expected i probably i probably would imagine they expected at least 10 10 was their low i would think expectation and so when this comes in she's trying to be very positive agreed but when you, but when you have the let's say the roku's in the world already uh, already set up and you can easily integrate quibi into that and every, you know, how many millions of people already turn their Roku on, either through a television that's running Roku software or Roku itself, and just like, oh, I'm going to buy this through Roku. Quibi gets the money. Roku takes a cut. Everybody's happy. Um, and because that, there's a real opportunity right now, because let's be frank, there's a most people have watched everything they want to watch on Netflix, right? For the last month, I mean, you can't watch Tiger King again. You'll just go crazy. So what are you going to do? Well, now you need new alternatives, but the cha- they're going to have the same challenge that Netflix and Disney Plus and everybody else has because they can't create new content right now. Everything's sort of on hold. Yeah, that's exactly right. Which, by the way, again, is another great opportunity for everyone in enterprise brands. Seen exactly right. I mean, that's, you know, there we go. Yeah. That's exactly, exactly right. Well, speaking of which, we have a lovely sponsor we should probably talk a little bit about here. And I'm very excited about the new version of Content Marketing University coming out. If there was ever a time to get your training act together, if you will, and investing in yourself and in your organization then about learning the best there is about content marketing education and how to really build a strategy, you're going to want to get that right now, contentmarketinguniversity.com. Robert Rose and his merry band of misfits have put together a simply amazing program. And you can get contentmarketinguniversity.com on sale now for $200 off by using the wonderful coupon code FRIEND200. You can be our friend, everyone else's friend, and you'll be knowing more marketing friend. If you use FRIEND200, and you need to do this by April 30th to get that discount. We've extended that deadline. So go to contentmarketinguniversity.com, invest in yourself. Check it out right now. Think it over, folks. Uh, you know, I remember start we when we started this thing, how many years ago has it been? Six, seven, eight yeah. years ago? I don't know how long it's been. And uh, we've been able to be a part of helping so many marketers take that next step in their content marketing journey. And uh, if you're thinking about it, now is the time. Contentmarketinguniversity.com. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, my backbone class is in there for sure. But the, the more, I think, you know, the, the sort of binge worthy stuff is, you know, the 50 plus hours of, uh, other people, great thought leaders from content marketing world, from content tech, um, those sessions and workshops that are just, you know, fantastic, uh, education on, on all things, content marketing, not just strategy, but you know, really all the things that, um, that you're going to want to know about. So yeah, good, 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 good stuff. All right. Well, now it is time for our empirically proven favorite part of the show, which of course is our rants and rave section where Joe and I go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave, um, on something that either makes us feel like, 
oh, makes us, I don't, I don't even know these days. I was going to say makes us feel like Dr. Fauci or makes us feel like something else. But nobody wants to feel like Dr. Fauci. <laughs> no. That's it. You know, that by the way, guy. you have to stop saying empirically proven because just I do because not. one person, I do not. Yes. Just because I do one not person said, Robert, yes. you're right. Everyone yeah. loves the rants and rays better than everything else. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely, I, I will continue to say that um, because because you have it written down. That's why you're saying it's, it. It's true for me. <laughs> it's my truth. I'm living my truth, Joe. I'm living my truth. Oh, Quibby. <laughs> oh, Quibby. That's good. Oh, that's that's good. You could just like when, like, what's what if you say if you say Quibby out loud, it's like. You're, it's not the worst thing in the world, but you're kind of disappointed. There you go. So, uh, yeah. Quibby. Ah, uh, Quibby. Yeah. You it's know, just like, sort of a resigned, sort of ridiculous sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Quibby. Yeah, Quibby. <laughs> that's, I like that. Yeah, I think we've just good. created that. Uh, yeah. We just, yeah. We could verb it too. You could, ver- you know, you could say, you know, you really quibbied it's that, like, yeah, uh, that it's like, report. How how did you do at the half marathon? Well, well I kind of quibbied it. Yeah, I didn't didn't get my best time, but you know, I did finish it. Eh, yeah, quibby. You quibbied it. Quibby. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Ha- hashtag you quibbied it. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm going first here. Um, and because uh, you're going to finish off. We Do both it. have raves today. So, yay, more positivity for the world. And I have two raves that I want to really rave about. And they're related in a way um, to each other. The first is an article that I just want to recommend in uh, from Digiday. Um, and it sort of just speaks to everything we've been speaking to here, um, which is Hearst Magazine's Kate Lewis. Uh, it's an interview with her. Um, and she talks about the fact of how there is an opportunity in everything. And she talks through how they're adapting editorial content in a time of crisis. And the article is says, you know, like every publisher, Hearst Magazines has to adapt in creating content in an all remote world from putting out magazines to pulling off photos and video shoots. Um, and then there's a video that also speaks to this. And it's just a wonderful feel good thing. Again, apologies. It's uh, I've just noticed that it's now um, you'll you'll. If you haven't reached your free limit on Digiday, it'll be behind the firewall. But um, uh, if are they you doing a free then, limit now? I did. It looks like it. Yeah, it looks like oh. they're they're doing their uh, limit on their on the number of articles because I just literally hit the article again and I've hit my free limit. Now I'm actually a member, so I can sign in here. But but I just wanted to call that out. Oh well, you're a member. I'm. A- I yeah, I bought a membership a while back because it's you know for the show and for a couple of other reasons I bought you know I bought a membership to Digital. Yeah, you can yeah, you can send me your username and password. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, <laughs> just kidding. All those out there from Digiday, thank you so much you, for yes. the joint subscription. Um, the second thing I want to rave about, if you haven't seen, have you seen the John Krasinski? I've seen all uh, three episodes. Yes, I have. Th- I'm just gonna. I, I we haven't I haven't really talked about it on the show. I mean, I don't have enough really a lot to say about it other than I adore this. I, I, this is, this is one of those things where I, for the, I'll be perfectly honest and and I don't mean this to sound like it's going to sound, but I had this idea like seven years ago, right. To do this exact thing, um, right around the time of the election, actually, um, you know, um, was when I when I thought about doing this in earnest, but it doesn't work unless you can do what Krasinski is doing. If you guys haven't seen it yet, this is John Krasinski. It's it's some good news is the name of the uh, show that he's now doing on YouTube, and it's basically a very short basically show where he he really just provides all kinds of good news it's produced from his house his kids do the artwork his you know it's features his wife um and and it's just delightful it's just wonderful and in every episode at least every episode so far he features something really good like he does some big good thing like he had one person 
he had the entire cast of of uh, of, of Hamilton get together and do a sing along. He the last episode that I saw was having uh, everybody get together for baseball and and do the Boston Red Sox um, and got uh, some uh, uh, some of the first responders tickets. It's just it's it's just wonderful. And it's the only thing that makes this work though is him being able to pull all these things together, right? And so I just think it's 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 such a wonderful, wonderful way. There's a there's a meme going on right around now that talks about the sort of devaluing of celebrity in this world because, you know, the production and because, you know, celebrities are at home and there's not a lot they can do. And sort of it really shows how much goes into building celebrity. And I think this is John Krasinski sort of using celebrity in a way that is just truly perfect. Uh, it's just, I, I love everything about this and can't recommend it more highly enough. Yeah, I saw in the last episode that, I mean, it's, I wouldn't call it a sponsorship, but you know, you got an AT&T. Yeah, the AT&T. So I, 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 I wonder if they paid for that, but I don't, I don't think they did. I don't think they paid him for it. They could, I mean, he obviously could have charged for it. I think that, you know, they gave, for those of you that didn't see it yet, AT&T, I think, gave away three months of free cell phone service to correct healthcare service yeah healthcare to the healthcare workers. Yeah. healthcare workers yeah so i mean great great for everyone around uh but it's just interesting to see i mean he did it right it's low it's low tech too yeah it's not it's high totally tech low it's tech. him it's him and his computer doing it they've got a couple cut shots uh he's got a couple recordings put in there but overall i mean it's it's amazing i give him credit i my wife absolutely loves it. We watch each one that comes out. So good for him. I love yeah, it. Yeah, it's absolutely. Have you noticed, before you get to your rave real quicker, I wanted to ask you, one of the things that I've noticed is, you know, I don't know if you saw the Saturday Night Live from home. Uh, no, my, um, my son was watching uh, Tom Hanks record or do his thing, but I didn't. Yeah, there's so Saturday. I mean, so, you know, so there's the news shows, there's Saturday Night Live, there's so many of the shows now are doing sort of this, you know, production from home thing. And I'm really struck by those who are good at this and who those who are not good at this. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's amazing to me how much of a leveler this really is, the idea of production at home. And, you know, from the audio to the lighting, to the cameras, to the way that it's shot, to the way that it's cut, you know, all of that has really illustrated, one, how great, you know, how valuable editors are and audio mm -hmm. people are and people who really know how to make production value a thing. But I think even more importantly to me, it what it's shown is, is how, uh, you know, how much we truly value the production quality in what it is we watch because you see some of this stuff like Krasinski gets away with it because it's so adorable. Right. But like the Saturday night live at home thing I watched and went, eh, I, I was really meh on it because it, it's, it felt like a, a lost opportunity. Well, you in, know what? It's funny because I passed by as Joshua was watching it and I heard the sound and I'm like, boy, that's really poor sound quality. Yeah. It's really bad. And I was I mean, like, what really not good. Well, you and I, I mean, you were talking about, you know, in anticipation for doing more presentations in my office, I've got, you know, I got the new mic boom, I'm getting the new video camera. I mean, you, you have to invest in these things. I have a buddy of mine who's a teacher. We were talking about because so many teachers now are doing Zoom classes or Google Hangout classes or whatever they're doing. And I was telling him that, you know, if you're a teacher right now, you need to invest a little bit in the quality of your sessions. Right. Make That's sure, right. you know, make sure you've got a good, solid background. Make sure you've got a great camera. You put a couple hundred. I know it's maybe hard to come by, but put a couple hundred bucks into making sure you've got an amazing experience and it will make a lot of difference. That's right. That's so. exactly right. Yeah, I was just I was struck by it. I'm not and I don't I don't mean to sound like I'm putting blame on them or anything, but I but but I'm struck by, you know, those that are attempting to do this like Saturday Night Live and f failing in some ways to get even some of the basic stuff like covered. Like Tom Hanks looked great in his house, right? He looked great. The the you know, the fact I don't know why they chose his kitchen as the sort of background there. It was just sort of, you know, there's so many more interesting things they could have done. Um and and I'm struck by and so I compare that, by the way, 
to one of the church services that I watched on Easter Sunday um, that featured very much the same thing, which was going back and forth people at home who would, you know, like one of the choir singers, she was singing at home, the pastor who was up on the stage um, alone, you know, doing his talk, um, you know, alone in the church um, with a single camera. Um, and, you know, there was a couple of other people there and they were all, you know, doing their social distancing thing and, and all of that. But it was the production value. And this is just a church was so good. I mean, it was really, really good. And it, and, and it was, you know, the sound was fantastic. The lighting was well done. They, it, they had clearly worked with the people at home to get their setups right. You yep. know, it was, it was, it was just a very different situation. And I, I'm just struck by it. Another, again, another opportunity to, uh, to differentiate. Yeah, so, absolutely. There you go. Uh, and real quick, yeah. uh, now that you took all the time. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> for rant- <laughs> That's fine. Uh, my my rave. There is there was an article in uh, in what is this New York Post New York magazine, Post yeah. New York Post magazine talking about how there's been some consumer magazine publishers that it, that's, that saw a large boost in sales of their print magazines, display magazines because of the whole coronavirus thing going on. And the reason why I just wanted to talk about this a little bit, and, and there's actually two sides to this. I do think there is an opportunity right now for print. Now, by the way, I think this boom for print magazines on the shelves at Walmart or whatever, I think that was temporary as people prepared for you know some weeks of quarantine, just like you saw no puzzles were available. I think that people were grabbing that kind of stuff. But I do think there's going to be some lasting effects as we're spending more time on our phones and more time at our computers and in front of a screen, I think there's an opportunity for a lean back experience in print. Uh, I think that you could see a small little resurgence at the same time. Why I think there's even a bigger opportunity. There's a, I just became aware yesterday of a large business to business publisher that sped up their already, you know, sped up strategy of getting rid of all of their print magazines. And basically because of what's happening uh, with the current situation, they just said, okay, we're going 100% digital. And they got rid, they're getting rid of all of their print, hmm. um, which I think is short sighted. And especially on the brand side, if. Especially if, right now when oh. there's this opportunity to send people stuff at home That's right. that they want to read. That's just, I know, I don't understand the move at all, especially if they're, they're used to getting a consistent piece of information from you in print. I think now is the time you invest in that. So knowing this and knowing you have a lot of business publishers out there actually cutting their print when they shouldn't, I think there's an opportunity for brands out there to invest in a print experience, especially at the time when we don't know what's going on. Hopefully the event industry will come back as quickly as possible. We just don't know. We don't have the answers at this point. Yep. There's a lot of things we don't know about in marketing. What we do know about is right now the U.S. Postal Service, Postal Service around the world are still going strong. There's an opportunity to create a very useful, amazing, and differentiated customer experience by sending them something in the mail and i think everyone should just just take a look at it you don't have to do it just take a look at it see if it's a possibility it's such a great point i mean i will tell you just anecdotally i didn't even think about it until you just mentioned it but i just i literally the way i read harvard business review um every month when i'm when when things are normal was on a plane all right i would read it on my kindle and i would read it on on the airplane and i didn't love the experience you know, I never, you know, I never, I've always enjoyed the print experience. This last couple of months, I've read both issues cover to cover, wow. right? Cover to cover print. Yeah. Because why? Because it sits right next to my bed. It's a perfect, you know, it's a perfect nighttime reading for me. It's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's perfect. So I, I, I fully agree. I smell opportunity. I said. <laughs> there you go. I smell opportunity Qu- you know and what? it smells like bacon. It's it's called Quibi the magazine. Quibi, here we the go. The print magazine. Oh my god, there we go. You quibbied it. You quibbied it. I yeah. quibbied it. Absolutely. Quibbied. All right, folks. That's it. We are quibbying on out of here. Um, we, we should just do that. Just just do a whole show where we replace verbs with Quibi. Uh, I'm sure people quibby. will. I'm sure people will love that for thirty seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are quibbying off. And if you like this episode, episode number two hundred and thirty-four, won't you quibby <laughs> or requibby? <laughs>
Sorry. You've, you've officially lost I'm amusing lost myself it. now. Yeah. Uh, get yourself a shiny new subscription, won't you, to our little show. We really want to grow this thing. We're having a lot of fun, as you can certainly hear, um, and we need you to do that. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you all for your wonderful social posts, uh, the conversations. It's providing some great laughs for us um, as we go through that. If you're missing that, hashtag us up. Follow us on that hashtag at This Old Marketing, of course. Um, and we're having a lot of fun there as well. As you know, by now, we're publishing twice a month now or every other week with a few special episodes thrown in here and there as Joe and I are feeling bored and want to get together and chit-chat. Um, if you want more Joe Polizzi, of course you can get that. You can get that at joepolizzi.com slash newsletter. Fantastic newsletter, by the way, if you want to uh, get more of Joe and hear his thoughts on the world. And for me, uh, mostly on the content strategy, content marketing, and all that stuff, it's contentadvisory.net, and we've got our wonderful newsletter there. Of course, story ideas up. We need those story ideas. Hashtag us again at This Old Marketing. We will be, of course, uh, posting all the links here in the show notes that we post. And until the next time we tell each other um, hello... Well, it's your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you in a couple of weeks on This Old Marketing. Mm-hmm.